You're listening to The Good GP, the podcast for busy GPs. Hello and welcome to The Good GP, the education podcast for busy GPs. Today on the episode, we are talking about changing the world through teaching general practice and my guest is Professor Donna Mack. Welcome back, Donna. Thanks very much, Tim. It's great to be back. Well, Donna, this is a topic that's very close to your heart. Let's talk about teaching general practice and why we need more grassroots GPs teaching general practice. I think one of the main reasons is that we really expect the vast majority of our medical graduates to be working in general practice and primary health care when they finish. If that doesn't happen, we really are not going to have the sustainable health care system. And I've often wondered about the paradox of if this is where we want the vast majority of our medical graduates working but the vast majority of the teachers are specialists or subspecialists and the vast majority of the time our medical students spend in clinical settings is in hospital and specialist settings so to me that there's a real paradox in that and I don't think it really works. I think that we would have probably quite a different looking healthcare system if we had more GPs teaching in universities and if we had more people in universities, in medical schools, in decision-making roles who actually are actively practising GPs. I think the medical education would look very different and I suspect the quality of our graduates and the things that they prioritise and their skills would be very different and probably far more suited to what the community needs. There is a sort of divide between hospitalists and general practitioners and it gets confusing when you use the word specialist because general practitioners are specialists in general practice. But if we think about hospitalists, you're absolutely right. We think about teaching medical students in hospitals and not in general practice, little trips into general practice, but not much else. We're talking very short terms. So you wonder about the message it sends to students and the general public about how you learn about medicine. I'm using the word general practice in that, yes, I realise it's its own special with its own skill set but it is a skill set in generalism as opposed to a skill set in a very small narrow field and that's what I think we need to prioritise. You mentioned something interesting which is how the landscape of the health systems change. We know that health systems that are more invested in primary care are more functional and more cost efficient. Yep, they're more sustainable because they're cost efficient and they provide care that is closer to the patient in terms of geography but I think also as in important they're probably culturally closer to the patient because they are living and working in that community where the patient lives and works there's a lot more synergies there and understanding about how to provide patient-centered care yeah it's that focus on patient-centered care that's really important isn't it i often think about my roles i send patients off to hospitals and i really try and not do it as much as possible being a generalist but when i do i often think of myself as sort of the translator for the patient almost without being there so i prepare a patient about what to expect to the hospitals because they don't get that patient-focused care? No, and often patients, if they're not prepared or if they don't have the skills themselves, they just think, oh, they have to be passive. And we don't want patients just to be passive vessels. We actually want them to take an active role in their own care. And so I think for medical students to see that actually happening in the community is very important and to spend a lot of time seeing it as opposed to, as you said, only very short snippets of their education. So why do you think those grassroots GPs don't step up and reclaim their place in the health system? 
Truth is, I don't know. I worked in general practice in Fitzroy Crossing for some years and very soon after I started working there and I was only a registrar, I was asked, well, you have a medical student. I said, oh, well, yes, why not? You know, this is important stuff and the medical students will learn and I get someone to come in and I should be able to get them to do some useful things at least and help out. But perhaps it was a different situation for me because I was salaried in Fitzroy Crossing. Mm -hmm. I can expect that perhaps if you've got to generate your own billings and you may also be working in a setting that is not supportive of you doing it from a business sense. You don't have a spare room to put your student and the patient in so they can do the history or do an examination. Then it could be very hard because if you only have one room to work in, having a student there with you every hour of the day that you're working, I can imagine, would be somewhat trying. But I always had the luxury of I could send them into another room and tell them to go do this and then they come back with the patient and it was actually very helpful. So our funding system's not set up for funding general practice teaching. Our infrastructure's not there. But there's also, when I ask GPs, are you involved in teaching? They often sort of say, oh, not me. I'm not really ready for teaching. And it's such a shame, isn't it? It's a terrible shame because, well, you never really get ready for something until you start doing it, isn't it? (laughs) What's the old see one, do one, teach one sort of approach? I encounter a lot of what I would call imposter syndrome where people go, oh, I'm not ready to teach someone. I'm not sort of at a position to teach someone. And I think, you know, particularly our new fellows when they come out, they're probably at their most learned in lots of ways Mm. because they've just set their fellowship exams, they've got a large body of knowledge behind them, and I think they're ideally placed to be teaching. Absolutely, I think they are. And the thing about teaching is that if you feel that you don't have the confidence or you're not quite sure how to do it, there are so many avenues to learn how to teach. And a lot of it is about communication and it's about, we talk about patient-centred care. With teaching, it's actually about student-centred teaching and learning. And a lot of those things that we learn about patient-centred care, if you flip that onto the student, it works. Yeah, absolutely. That's really such an interesting observation. You know, the other thing that really strikes me about the teaching that we do is that there are some textbooks in general practice, but we're not really textbook knowledge sort of people as much as we need sort of knowledge. A lot of it is about our complex problem solving and talking through the thinking around complex problem solving. Yes, I think a lot of it is about the approach to the patient and that very multidisciplinary approach and knowing what resources are within your community. You know, the patient can tap into and empowering them to use those resources as well as seeing their GP. So it is not the so-called the technical sort of factual things that we want GPs to teach, but that's not the stuff that gets people into trouble anyway. It's your approach to your patient and your approach to the community and your approach to medicine. And I think GPs have a huge huge amount to teach our budding doctors about all that. So that's the message for the GPs out there. What we're trying to teach is a problem-solving approach. It's what you're doing intuitively every day, and it's a valuable skill set that's not only great for students, but it changes the healthcare system. It totally changes the healthcare system. I think we would have a far more cost-efficient, patient-centred healthcare system if we had a lot more GPs in that sort of driving and decision-making role with regards to teaching medical students and also with regard to where the healthcare system is going. So we mentioned before that hospitalists are set up for teaching because it's part of their basic funding. If you're going to be a GP teacher, you've really got to want to go out there and do it. So what are the benefits that you would say are there for people who want to consider being a GP teacher? I think there are huge benefits to teaching in general. And the first one probably is that working with young, motivated people, they really keep you on your toes. Mm-hmm. You know, 
know, they are a source of free CPD, mm-hmm. I find. And the energy that they bring, not just to yourself as a doctor, but I find the whole setting that they're working in, they inject life and energy and something different. And I think that's invaluable, that chance to work with someone who's young and motivated and really eager to learn. There's also other benefits, such as that if you get linked with a university, you can access the library, you can access professional development on teaching and learning and a variety of other topics. So I think that there certainly are a lot of reasons. Also, if you're wanting to recruit people to work in your area, so especially people in hard-to-recruit-to areas that are out of metro or regional or rural if you have a student there and they have a good time there's a good chance that they will be attracted to work either there or somewhere very similar so i think it's just that exposure of students my journey has been very strongly linked with teaching pretty much since i started my own practice i began teaching in registrars and then residents and then and along the way medical students and it's completely changed my practice but in terms of the way I practice, but it's also changed the culture of our practice, which is a very young and vibrant practice. And as you say, it always got the feel that people are safe to ask questions, which I think is a really great place to be in general practice because we've all got questions that pop up. And I think we just want to be able to share our ideas and teaching really encourages idea sharing. Yeah, absolutely. And that is the culture that we want to be imparting to our young doctors is sharing ideas, never being scared to say, I don't know, and asking a so-called stupid question. But I always say to my students, well, there really is nothing as a stupid question, because if you want to know the answer to it, that's good. Yeah, absolutely. If we think about the other benefits, aside from the teacher, what are the benefits for the mentee or the student? And let's talk about the benefits of teaching general practice on the healthcare system. I think the student will come away with a much more patient-centred, community-centred approach to medicine. And one thing that I've noticed that GPs do well is they understand the community that they work in, they understand that context. And that is really important for patient-centred care. I hear horror stories of people who have travelled several hundred kilometres to a hospital and they've come for an ultrasound or a CT or whatever they've come for and they can't have it done on the day. And then someone says to them, oh, well, just go back home and come back next week. And you think, really? That shows a lack of knowledge about the context that the patient comes from and the huge effort that they have made. I think that the more our students are exposed to what it means to practice in a community for that community, then patients are undoubtedly going to benefit. Certainly that they can see the difference it makes on an individual person very actively and on their life, and I think that's a really important thing. We also know that students are much more likely to choose general practice as a career aren't they if if they're really getting positive exposure yeah and I think it's that positive exposure and being exposed to general practice not just rurally or not just one metro doctor but if you are exposed to several of them in your medical training even if there's one that's not that great it cancels out that one if you have a variety of experiences and having a role model so students can say oh I'd be like to be like him or her I think these are very powerful experiences that GPs can give to students and sometimes it really is just by letting them observe what you do every day with your patients you don't have to do anything special 
don't have to change your practice necessarily. I don't know, what have you found, Tim? I just try, within a patient or two, I find I'm back to my normal self. You're often overthinking yourself for the first moment or two. It's a bit like an ECT visit, I find, where you're not very natural to begin with, but I really enjoy the student experience. I love that that process of talking through my thinking with students as well, where it does make a little bit more formally reflect on things, which is brilliant. I think that's a really good thing because it helps us to think when we are explaining something to a student and it also, for them, demystifies what actually goes on inside the black box because for some of them, they think, oh, it's just magic. How do people do this? Walk through how we do it. I think one of the other benefits, if we go back to the benefits for the GPs, is having that vibrant questioning culture is a really good antidote to burnout, I find. I often frame that to other GPs and say, well, teaching to me has probably added five years onto the end of my career because it keeps me going, basically. If you think about that just purely in a financial sense, that's adding a lot of value to your career, basically. Well, not just the financial sense, but I think if we think of the value that it adds to your mental health, just to your life as a person, regardless of being a doctor, that's something that you really can't put a price on. I just think it's invaluable having that chance to work with young people. It really keeps oneself, I think, young and refreshed and forward thinking. Oh, absolutely. Here's another thought. One of the things I was researching was that we know that medical students who spend more time in general practice are more likely to find a GP for themselves as well. Yes, and so... So that, again, is a positive spin-off for our future doctors and looking after themselves, their physical and their mental health. Because I, of course, grew up in a generation where doctors didn't really think about it. It's not that they didn't care about it. They just never thought about it. I think a lot of us thought we were bulletproof. Yeah, the self-prescribing generation. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, so young doctors are vulnerable. Medical students become young doctors and teaching them about accessing their general practitioner from an early stage is really important. We really know the critical years for medical students are the final years of medical school and the first years of residency where they probably need a general practitioner more than ever. Yeah, and they often are very vulnerable and it's important for them to know that it's okay to be vulnerable Mm. as long as you seek help for it and don't try to cover it up. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about the health system benefits because they really are interesting. There's really good evidence to show that training in general practice, so away from a hospital setting, actually affects your behaviour as a doctor down the track for quite a while. Yes, and so one of the articles that we read together was all about um, how medical students who've you know trained a lot in general practice are far less likely to be over-prescribing, less likely to be over-ordering investigations, and there's a big choosing wisely movement that is spreading throughout the world and including in Australia because for us to have a sustainable healthcare system that isn't going to keep growing at the rate of knots and taking up a larger and larger percentage of the gross national product we are going to have to think about being far more efficient so you know that's a huge benefit I think and a cost saving but also it's better for patients in the end. This made me really reflect on my training as a young doctor and I remember doing a term in neurosurgery as a resident and my observation was every day a large number of patients would have imaging of their brain almost as part of a routine without a lot of thought going into the why. I think the important point here is that we probably need to think about how we train our residents and perhaps adopting more of the GP thinking along the lines of well what are the consequences of this test, what will the follow-up be, what will it mean if we find an incidentaloma here. I mean, these are the things that perhaps we're not doing well. No, 
know. And I think part of that is because the people who are in hospital, they're a different group of patients to the ones who are in general practice. So in hospital, you've got people who are sicker. They've already gone through several processes of triage. The likelihood of finding something that is significant on this battery of tests is actually quite high. So it's actually quite important, you know, perhaps that you do them. But if that's where you're trained and then you go to work in general practice and you take that thinking with you, then what you haven't realised is that now I'm practising with a group of patients who are on the whole far more healthy and so the positive predictive value of any of those tests coming back with an abnormal result is far lower Mm. and you need to have, I guess, a different threshold for when you do order that test or you don't order that test. And I think the way that you learn that is by being around people in that setting and learning how they do it how can we expect the vast majority of people to be working well in community-based settings when we train them mainly in hospital settings it just doesn't compute to me it doesn't doesn't fit so teaching all those early career doctors in general practice really gets them thinking and it changes their behavior quite profoundly for quite a number of years afterwards yes and so you know i guess not just medical students but more and more we are seeing that interns and junior doctors are having the opportunity to do a term in general practice as well as their hospital terms and I think you know these are all really positive things but they can only happen when we have large enough numbers of GPs and general practices who are willing to take them on and to look at it as an investment in the future of general practice rather than an immediate cost Yeah, that's the way that it helps to look at it. So finally, I think a lot of GPs think about teaching a medical student, say, and they just think, oh, that's just someone who's going to sit in my room for three hours and they're going to slow me down. But what are the other different ways that, say, a GP out there could become involved in teaching in general practice? So I think you already mentioned one of them is the ECT, which is not electroconsultive therapy, but it's (laughs) external clinical teaching. So for GP trainees to go along to somebody else's practice and watch them and their GP trainee being involved in that. So I think that's something that's probably come quite naturally to most GPs because they've been through that themselves while they were training. In terms of medical students, medical schools have a huge variety of jobs that I think GPs could do on a part-time or a sessional basis, which would add variety to their life, but would also, I think, increase greatly the life and the diversity within our medical schools. So we have problem-based learning tutorials, and most of our medical schools now have some sort of problem-based learning where you are a facilitator of learning, You don't actually have to be an expert in anything. You get a briefing every week. You get given a tutor guide. And your job really is to ask questions of the students and not to answer their questions, but to make them think and to encourage them to seek out the answers for themselves. I definitely can do that, I think, Donna. Yeah, I reckon most (laughs) I can definitely not answer someone's question. There's also clinical skills teaching, which is where you get given, again, a set of tutor notes and your job for that day might be to teach the students how to examine the cardiovascular system or how to take a history about the endocrine system. And again, this is something that is bread and butter for GPs. They know how to do this. Perhaps the script that they're being given to teach the students is somewhat different to what they do in their practice because they've probably worked out lots of shortcuts and their own little idiosyncrasies, but it's not that different. Hmm. And 
if you read the tutor guide and you talk to the students and they love to hear how you do it differently as well as what they have to learn in order to pass their clinical exams. There's also different roles say as year coordinators or problem-based learning tutor coordinators so these sorts of coordinator type roles which traditionally don't have a lot of actively practicing clinicians taking on these roles but I think that if we did and especially if we had GPs in these roles through their input into the university they would help the medical school to become more community centered and to just lift that profile of general practice which I think is very important if we're going to start reorienting our system to something that's more community centered. Yeah, and aside from being involved in medical student training, there's postgraduate training with the GP registrar training programs, community residency programs. So they're really important areas that you can become involved in. For example, ECT teaching, there's training programs that have got, or regional training providers have got education that it's very easy to become involved in. If you're interested, you just need to show an interest. I often think it'd be lovely if senior doctors actually had to do a bit of their time in general practice to see where their referrals are coming from and so forth and to get reoriented back into the real world in lots of ways. Yes, well, that would be a novel idea. It would be really quite revolutionary. I do like Tim. <laughs> well, let's finish up by throwing out a challenge. And I've got to say, I've taken on this challenge. As soon as we started talking about this episode, I thought, well, I haven't taken a medical student on for a while. I'm going to do it. So I've taken on a medical student. I'm currently in my second visit coming up on Thursday with a medical student. And it's been great. I've really enjoyed it. But my challenge to the GPs out there is to go out there and reclaim medical education and the health system back for general practice because it has so many positive benefits for yourself, for the student and for the health system and community. Um, And for your practice and the other people that you work with. Absolutely. So I would actually just challenge all the listeners out there to go out there and contact either their local medical school or their regional training provider and get involved in education, even if it's just a quick one student attachment and email us with your stories the good gp at gmail and tell us how you're becoming involved in medical education and what your experience is that would be lovely to hear stories as a result <laughs> of this podcast i really look forward to that wonderful well thanks for talking to us today donna thank you